may be seated. Good to see you here this evening. And uh, we're going to jump right in, Miss Karen, and we'll, we'll end with one uh, after the preaching uh, or teaching time, as, as we'll call it tonight. We're doing our Bible study. Uh, but it's good to see everyone here. I know there's been some confusion because uh, the time's changed, and uh, not the time itself has changed, but because I, I can't keep things straight sometimes. Amen? And uh, so uh, if you were curious, if we were starting at 6 or 7 tonight, don't worry, you're probably one of everybody that was curious because I said both times and we were 6.15 online the past few Wednesday nights when we were doing our online Bible study and I just need some sleep, I think. Amen? But that's all right. Uh, uh, be praying for us. I'm excited about this study uh, that we're going to be in. I believe it'll be beneficial for us and helpful. Uh, I've spent several hours in this material and uh, I, I honestly believe that if we will uh, keep focused on what's happening, uh, not here on earth as we'll see throughout this study, but keep focused on what's happening spiritually and keep looking up, amen, uh, then we'll be encouraged no matter what happens on this earth. And I think that's, that's important for us to understand. So uh, we're going to jump right in. If you will, go ahead and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. All right, and so our Wednesday night services will be a little different. Now, as you're turning there, uh, uh, you'll notice when you came in the building, there are masks available for you. Uh, you say, oh, I don't need any of that stuff. I'm tired. Listen, I, I know that most of you are like myself. I'm tired of hearing about it. I'm tired of the jokes. I'm tired of the news. I'm tired of the meat, of all of it. Amen. But, but there are people in this community and in this world who all of this is still very scary and the unknown keeps them awake at night. Amen? And here's what I believe. I believe that we will have a small window of opportunity these next few weeks, maybe months, to reach people with the gospel that we could not have reached before because they've been shaken at their core by what's happening. Amen? And I honestly believe that. And so as a church and as Christians who are to love other people, amen, we're going to do everything that we can to where when people enter those doors, they feel like we care about their health and safety. Amen? That's important. All right? Uh, you know the old adage, nobody know, uh, cares how much you know till they know how much you care. Amen? Uh, it, it, it applies. And so there's, we, we, can, we can have masks at the back table available. All right? We can do those things. We can People come in. Well, let's try to not touch each other. Amen? I know that's what we want to do. That's the habit. That's, we want to shake hands and all that. I'm not afraid. That's okay. The person that you're greeting may be afraid. Because their faith may not be strong or they may have no faith at all right now. And that's the reason why they're at church. So let's be compassionate as Jesus was. Amen? And let, let's consider those people because here's the thing. I would love to see people come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior through all of this. Amen? Amen. And, and, and I would hate to think that someone would come through those doors searching for answers and leave prematurely because one of us, myself included, makes a statement or does something that causes them to just leave. You say, oh, they shouldn't have left. Well, that's true. But they need Jesus more than I need to be right. Amen? That's an, and that's the truth. And what I mean by more than I need to be right, more than I need my opinion to be known. We'll put it that way. We can be right on this. This is what they need, not what I think. Amen? So uh, I hope that's a help. That's sermon number one. Amen? All right. First Thessalonians chapter 4. And Brother Rush, you can throw our slide up. I wanted to have some uh, neat slides and a handout and graphics. And, and, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, I just spent some time in running cross-references alone. and uh, So this is the only slide you got tonight. All right? Uh, but hopefully going forward, we'll have some things. And basically what we're going to do is we're going to look at this doctrine of the rapture, okay? At Calvary Baptist Church, if you're a member here, you've agreed to the doctrinal statement and everyone before they join has opportunity to read it. It's also on our website, but the in-depth doctrinal statement 
that we have, uh, uh, which is a summary of what we believe about this book, not a replacement of this book. Amen. Uh, our final authority is the Word of God, but it teaches, or we believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. Amen. We believe the church is going to be caught away to meet the Lord in the air before the time of Jacob's trouble comes upon the earth. And so we're going to look at that. And I honestly believe, I honestly believe that any person that believes the Bible literally and is honest would have to cede that the Bible teaches a pre-tribulation rapture. In order to get a mid- or post-trib rapture out of this book, you cannot believe this book literally. You'd have to twist some scripture. You'd have to change some things, all right? Uh, You'd have to stretch it or use extra scriptural philosophical mentalities, which we don't abide by. Amen? I'm not interested in your philosophy. I'm interested in what thus saith the Lord. Amen? So we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. You're doing all right? Say amen. Amen. All right. I'm going to need your help tonight because you know me. I get in my own head and if you, I feel like you're not with me, then we'll, we'll stay on a subject for a little while and, and I just I want to cover the material. All right. Let's stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 through 18. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before You one more time. We thank You for the opportunity that uh, we get to gather around this uh, holy book and study it so we can know uh, not only that we have a Savior in Your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, that loves us and gave Himself for us and rose again on the third day of His own volition, but Heavenly Father, we're grateful that this holy book also teaches us that You have not left us comfortless. That you have not left us for ourselves to try to figure out what this mystical fog of eternity is. No, Heavenly Father, you've revealed yourself and your will clearly in your book. And we're so grateful for that. Lord, as we attempt to study these uh, passages and these cross-references, we pray, I pray, that this is an encouragement for your church. And if there be someone listening or someone watching online or someone who comes back many, many days or years later to re-watch something online uh, or to go back to look for these, my prayer is that you are glorified that if someone know you and does not receive comfort from the coming uh, uh, judgment, Lord, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. I pray that you would work in their hearts. Lord, I pray that your spirit would have free will, that you would manifest yourself through your scripture. Lord, speak to us and speak through us. Help us not to preach our own opinion. Help us to be faithful to preach your word in Christ's name and for Christ's sake. Amen and amen. Thank you for standing in honor of the reading of the Word of God. We started in verse 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is foundational. Anytime someone talks about the rapture, they're going to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Amen? It's just going to happen because it's foundational. And so there's really no other place to start, at least in my opinion, all right, no other place to start than in this passage as we try to break down some of the cross-references. 
and see that it, the Bible clearly teaches this uh, rapture of the church, the catching away, and how it is completely different from what the Bible calls the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, or the day of the Lord, the day of Christ, the day of God, uh, the day of Jesus Christ. We're going to see that these are different days. The day of the Lord is different than the rapture of the church. Amen? So, verse 13 as we start. Brethren, I would not have you to be... What's that word? Ignorant. So he's writing to the church at Thessalonica, to the Christians, because he doesn't want them to be ignorant or erring in wisdom, amen, ignorant towards something, having no knowledge about something. So he's writing to them about death. Notice, brethren, he doesn't want them to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are what? Asleep. Now, I know one of the questions that came up is why does the Bible call death sleep and sleep death sometimes? And the answer to that is, I don't know. But we do know based on the context that sleep is talking about death. It's talking about death concerning them which are asleep. 1 Corinthians 15, very quickly. Now, we're going to come back to 1 Corinthians 15. But I want us to look at 1 Corinthians 15 just, just for some context and just for some... Uh, uh, Help with this phrasing of sleep, all right? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I hope you have your Bibles. I hope you plan on following along or you're going to be lost in the, uh, the field of, of Scripture because we are going to be looking at a lot of Scripture tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 6. And that he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. Some are fallen asleep. So there are some that remain, meaning that they're alive, amen. And then there are those of the 500 witnesses that saw Jesus Christ in his resurrected form that have fallen asleep. Now let's look at, uh, go ahead and turn to John 11. John chapter 11. While you're turning there, I believe I have one more passage that I'll share with you. As you're turning to John 11, well, we'll, we'll go to that passage uh, in Acts in just a moment. We'll, we'll turn there. Okay? So, John chapter 11, look at, verse, look at verse 11. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus, what? Sleepeth, but I go that I may wake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. They knew he was sick. Jesus is saying that he's dead. The disciples didn't understand because he said he was sleeping. Howbeit, verse 13, Jesus spake of His what? Death. So sleep in Scripture, depending on the context, sometimes means death. Amen? And if it's not clear, uh, crystal clear in verse 13, verse 14, then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Alright? So we know that the sleep that's being referenced, you say, well, we understand that. Let me help you with something. I, and I said this Sunday night. I, we don't turn to passages and look at them and I, I reference them because I feel like we don't understand that. It's so that we have the passage and, and, and the story in mind because there are people, okay, who call themselves Bible believers that do not think that 1 Thessalonians 4 is talking about people that are dead. That's important. That's important to understand, okay? Uh, so we're, and we may talk about that a little later. Now I want us to turn to Acts chapter 7, just for one more passage, and we'll see uh, uh, verse 60, the very last verse of Acts 7, the final, third and final rejection of the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God by the children of Israel, we see in the message of Stephen. At the end of Acts chapter 7, verse 60, 
He kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He fell asleep. Now, the, the difference between death and sleep, sleep is death, but those that are dead in Christ shall rise. And so we see a correlation there between sleeping, the sleep of death as a believer, and dying the eternal death as an unbeliever. There's a difference there, and we don't have the time to run that down. But that may be one of the reasons why we see the word sleep used for death. And uh, what I can tell you is that that's the proper word that is to be used in 1 Thessalonians because those which have died in Christ, the Bible says, are sleeping. They're resting in Him. Until when? Until the rapture. Amen? And so we'll see why here uh, uh, throughout this study. Now, back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I would not have you to be ignorant, verse 13, Brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Now, let's stop here as we're going to do this verse by verse and we're going to break down this passage Is the Bible telling us that we should not be sorrowful when someone that we love dies? Is that a Bible teaching? No. That's not what it's saying. The Bible's saying, though, that we do not sorrow as those which have no hope. Why? Because 2 Corinthians 5.8 teaches us, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. And so we do not sorrow as those which have no hope. Why? Because we have hope. What is our hope? It's that lively hope that Peter says that in Christ Jesus we will be resurrected. And that's the hope that we have. So when our loved ones in Christ Jesus die or fall asleep, rather, if you will, amen, we can be sad that we're not with them right now. But we don't sorrow as those which have no hope because we know and are willing to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The Bible says we're already seated with Him in heavenly places. And so we'll just be translated, amen, translated to that new heavenly home. 1 Thessalonians verse uh, 14. This is why we can... Sorrow, but not as others sorrow, which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Verse 13, those which are asleep, those that have died in Christ, we're not going to prevent them. What does that mean? We're not going to stop them. Amen? And we're also not preceding them because the word prevent has two meanings. If you study that out, prevent means to stop or to proceed. We're not going before them. They're going first. Their physical body. Now, this is the thing that we need to understand. The rapture of the church is the physical bodily resurrection of the saints. The physical bodily resurrection. This is an important key to understanding the reasoning for the rapture. Because if our bodies are not to be resurrected, then what in the world is the point? We're already there spiritually. Why do we need a new why do we why would we even, why wouldn't he just give us our new bodies there? You see what I'm saying? So the, res- the rapture is the resurrection, and we are the first fruit, amen, of that resurrection. Now, I want us to see here, and just as a side note, just to kind of whet your appetite a little bit, the rapture is not the only resurrection in Scripture, amen? There are other resurrections in Scripture. We know the rapture is referred to that we're going to see in 1 Corinthians here in just a moment as a mystery. Well, the... Hebrews were looking for a rapture. That's why you had the Pharisees and the Sadducees. That was one of their main divisions. The Pharisees believed in the rapture. The Sadducees didn't believe in the rapture. That was the reason they were sad, you see. Amen? All right. 
My tempted poor, yes, poor humor, all right. They were sad. They didn't believe in a resurrection. So you see, in Hebrew, or in the Hebrew culture, and in the Judaism, they believe in a bodily resurrection. They just missed the person who would bring it to them. Amen? And so when we look at the rapture, it is a physical bodily resurrection. Now this is important. Before we jump into that, there are a few things I want to try to answer, okay? First of all, the question that is asked, what will happen to children at the rapture? Now this is interesting, amen? I want us to notice at verse 15. There are a lot of passages that talk about uh, uh, those that are innocent, those that are... uh, We know that there's an age of understanding, but then here's the question. At the rapture, the catching away, do children who have not yet reached the age of understanding... All right, well, I've got a two-month-old, a little over two two and a half months almost now. Uh, We're almost into June. If the rapture were to happen right now... Some of you got nervous. Amen? If it were to happen right now... Would Maggie be left over there because she had because it's the rapture of the saints, right? Notice what the Bible says. Or what? Alive and remain. Does that word say saved? Now this is interesting. Does it say born again? No. It says that we which are alive and remain. So then you have to ask the question, well, who is alive? Turn with me to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. Now, I don't know about you. These are the things that when I read these verses, they make the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. Amen? And I just get excited about it. Romans chapter 7. Let's start in verse 7, all right? What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not... What's that word? No, but by the law. For I had not known lust except the what? Law had said, thou shalt not come. We know the reasons for the law. We have uh, uh, Romans 5 and verse uh, uh, 20 through uh, 21 that uh, the law entered that the offense might abound but where sin abounded grace did much more abound and so the law was given so that we would be able to recognize and know what sin is now I want us to notice something verse number 8 but sin taking occasion by the commandment wrought in me all manner of concupiscence for without the law sin was what? Dead. Now notice verse 9. For I was what? Alive without the law. How many times? Once. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. So what's he teaching? Verse 10. And the commandment which was ordained to what? Life I found to be unto death. So who is alive? Well, we know that those that are redeemed are alive. We're alive in Christ. We've passed from death unto life. The Bible teaches that those are not dead. They're alive until the law enters in. What is that law? It's that understanding of sin. It's exactly what Adam and Eve wanted when they partook of the forbidden fruit, the knowledge of good and evil. And so the law enters in so that the offense, right? The law enters so that the offense might abound. So when a young person comes to the place where they know the difference between good and evil, not right and wrong, there's a difference. Good and evil. Eve didn't partake of the fruit and die spiritually. Adam didn't partake of the fruit and die spiritually because they learned right from wrong. Amen? It's because they learned good and evil. That's what happened. So our young people cannot even get saved until until the law enters in. Now that happens at different ages for different people. I believe the age of understanding is different for different people. I believe you have people 
have uh, uh, handicaps that, 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 that are mental in nature that they cannot comprehend. And Romans chapter 7 is one of the greatest proofs, I believe, on this teaching uh, because what does it say? Before the law. Let's look at it. I was alive, verse 9, without the law once. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I So this is either teaching that Paul was dead in his sins when he understood the law, or it's teaching that he lost his salvation, which we know goes against Scripture. So it can't be teaching that. Amen? Amen. So young people that do not know the law, that do not know the difference between good and evil, the Bible considers them alive until the law enters in, that knowledge and that age is different for everyone. I don't believe there's a set age. Amen? Some people say, oh, it's seven. Seven's not creation. Some people say it's twelve. Amen? I, the Bible doesn't say. It's different for everyone. When the understanding... So, back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. All of that to understand what happens to these young children that are... So, so here's, here's the wonderful thing. Think about the grace and mercy of God. God in this. The families that hate God. God, what's going to happen? They're going to go. Why? Unless they've reached that age where they understand, where the law comes in, where they understand what sin is, and that they are sinners, they are innocent, and the Bible says they're alive. Now you say, well, isn't that going to cause a lot of panic if a bunch of, you know, atheists, fam- you know, their children go? I don't believe it will. The Bible says the Lord's going to send strong delusion. And let's be, let, and, and this may seem harsh, but through these past two months, I, I believe I've got a little rougher around the edges through some of this. They would not have cared if they killed those children in the womb several months or years prior. You understand what I'm saying by that? So when all those children disappear and the strong delusion enters in, and I don't know what that delusion is, it's safe to say that they will probably happily just say, well, we told you. Global warming, you know, aliens. I don't know what the strong delusion is going to be. Amen? The Bible doesn't say. But they're going to believe the lie. And when that Antichrist enters in and says, Worship me, I have all the answers, they're going to say yes. Because they've believed the lie. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We've only got through three of the verses. Amen? We've only made it through three of the verses. You're already, if you're with me still, say amen. All right. If I made you nervous, just kind of look at me and give me a half grin. All right. Anybody make you nervous yet? All right. Amen. Now, What I want us to do with the remainder of the time that we have, I want us to take and I want us to compare verse 16 and the events of verses 16 and 17 with Revelation chapter 19. Okay? So I want you to take 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, keep your place here, and then turn to Revelation 19. And put some, you know, to, as, as, we used to, as we always joke, rip a map out of the back of your Bible and stick it in there. Amen? All right. So that might help you out. Don't, don't really deface your Bible. I'm just teasing. All right? Uh, but the maps aren't inspired. Don't, listen, that's exactly when the teenagers start ripping notes out of their notebook and drives, it, it just makes me nervous. All right? Uh, so 1 Thessalonians 4, Revelation 19. And we're going to compare. Revelation 19 is without a doubt, everybody agrees. Everybody agrees. Well, I say everybody, but the majority of Bible believers, even post and pre and mid-tribbers, believe Revelation 19 is the second coming. Okay, This is what the common belief is. And so they would tie passages like 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 with Revelation 19. They would also tie it with Matthew 24 which we're going to look at on another night as we're talking about some of this. The, the, the title of the series is Rapture Ready, but, but I want us to understand some things as we go through this. And we're going to be looking at some of the, the common misconceptions. Matthew 24 is not the rapture. It's not. Amen. Not if we believe the book, literally. Amen. It looks completely different than the rapture. And so we'll see that as we study. So we're going to look at Revelation 19, and we're going to look at the events 
of 1 Thessalonians 4, and we're going to do a little compare and contrast with Revelation 19, okay? This is where I wanted to have some slides so we could look at them side by side, and, uh, but we'll do our best, and uh, I'm going to try not to... Uh, get ahead of Brother Royce on the uh, on the slides with the uh, scriptures. All right, so you're at Revelation 19. Brother Royce, drop it down to verse 11. Okay, verse 11. And I saw heaven opened. Now it's very important. There are only three times in the New Testament where the heavens are opened. Only three times. The first time is at the baptism of Jesus Christ. The second time is at the stoning of Stephen. This is the third time. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. I I think that's so astounding. Amen? All the names that we have for Christ, for God, all the names that we have, and yet there's a name that is written on Him that only He knows. Because He's above every name. And He has that name that's above every name. There's a name that He goes by that only He knows. That's our God. Amen? Look at verse uh, 13. And He was closed with a vesture, and His name is called the Word of God. Now, Let's stop here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. The Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Okay? The Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel, God and the dead in Christ first. Where does the Bible say that the heavens are open in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4? Because the heavenly all made it there yet. Amen? Now, that's first thing we notice. The Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout. Now, Notice the difference in how the Lord is coming in the two passages. In verse 16 of chapter 4, you've got descending with a shout, the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God, and then the dead in Christ shall rise first. Revelation chapter 19, He is coming to judge and make war. Nowhere do we see the dead in Christ rising. Nowhere. But we do see that there are some people with Him in verse 14 of Revelation. Revelation 19 and verse And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white, clean. Who are those that are clothed in fine linen, white, and clean? Well, the only in fine linen, white, and clean in the book of Revelation, his saints. You'll see that if you look in chapter 4, we see that reference. Uh, uh, and then here in Revelation 19, and then also Revelation chapter 20, you're going to see that reference to fine linen, white. Out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword. Okay, so now we've got the heavens opened. That's different than 1 Thessalonians 4. Armies with him. 1 Thessalonians 4, he's calling the dead first, Right? And then we have a sword going out of his mouth. First Thessalonians 4, you have a shout, the voice of the archangel, which we'll look at in just a moment, and the trump of God. I see none of that here in Revelation. Why? Because it's not there. Because two different events. They're two different events. One's spiritual and one's allegorical for what's happening. Then you're not a Bible believer. Period. That's just the way it is. I, I mean, help me out here. And, and, and deacons, throw something at me if I'm wrong. Okay? Alright? Men, help me out here. But if they are the same thing, then shouldn't there be something similar? There should be something similar. But there's nothing. They're completely different. Completely different events. 
We learned that in Sesame Street. Amen? Remember that song, you know, the four corners of the box, and they'd have, you know, all three that look, and then what was the song? You know, one of these things just doesn't belong here. Amen? One of these things is not like the other. Revelation 19 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 are not like the other. They don't belong together. They're two separate events. Amen. Now, back to 1 Thessalonians 4. If you keep reading Revelation 19, which we will at some point throughout this study, turn back to 1 Thessalonians 4. We're going to look at a few more verses, a few more cross-references that I think will be a help for us and a comfort. All right. But verse 7, 19, you're in 1 Thessalonians 4. I'm just going to read these to you. And I want, I want you to think, comfort one another with these words, okay? And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings. What a comfort. Amen? And the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the king of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. Wherefore, come another with these words. It doesn't fit. Amen? It do, it's not a comfort. Even for a Bible-believing Christian that says, well, we're just not a part of that. We've already gone back up. We just went up at the end of the... Ra-. That's not a comfort. Amen. That's not a comfort. Alright, so back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So we've got the Lord Himself. And I, want to part out, I want to point out a word that I love in verse 16. Shall. This is a promise of Scripture. The Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. Who is the archangel? This word archangel is only used twice in your King James Bible here and in Jude. We'll look at it. Jude. Look at it with me. Jude 9. Don't get ahead of me, Brother John. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Jude 9. It's very clear. A lot of people say, oh, well, archangel means captain and prince of and... Uh, Prince of angels and archangel, and so it has to be Jesus. That's not what the Bible teaches. Amen? Jesus isn't the prince. He's not the prince of angels. Jesus is God of gods and king of kings and lord of lords. That's his title. Not prince of angels. Look at verse 9. Jude 9. There's only one chapter. So, uh, Yet Michael, the what? Archangel. Now, I want to pause here and I want us to understand something. Because there is a movement, all right? There is a movement within the holiness movement and the Pentecostal movement, and this is what they think. They think because if you're, or they think that if you're saved, you have power over Satan. Look at verse 9. Now, I want us to read the rest of what's happening here. Here's Michael the archangel. Amen? When contending with the devil, disputed about the, the body of Moses. So who's he contending with? The devil. That's Lucifer. The, that old serpent, the devil. Durst not bring against him. Who? The devil. So the archangel of God, Michael, when contending with the devil, did not bring about a railing accusation, but said... The Lord rebuked thee. Why? Because the archangel had no power. God has all power. He did not contend or he did not bring accusation against the devil. And neither should we. Because the devil is subtle. The devil is evil. The devil is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And don't think just because you show up to church three times a week and ask Christ to be in your heart makes you more powerful than him. My friend, you are not. The Bible says, as Paul, I believe that we could claim it even more a thousand times. We are chiefest of sinners. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I've got no power of my own. I need Jesus Christ in my life daily to help me so I can crucify this flesh and live for Him. 
I'm not trying to bring on any unintended or uninvited enemies to bring more attention to myself. I'm trying to point people to Jesus Christ. Now, if that makes the devil unhappy, so be it. I'm not trying to promote self. We're saying, amen. First Thessalonians chapter, all that, all that just from the archangel. Amen. All right. With a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. Now, if we look at 1 Corinthians 15, and we talk about the trump. Now, this is where we're going to probably end, okay? We're probably going to finish here tonight, because I don't want to overload you with information. Because let me tell you, I have markings all in my Bible and cross-references. We could be here for hours, all right? And I'd like to break it up a little bit, so we a little bit. You know, listen, all you can eat wonderful. But you know what happens when you eat until you're stuffed? you got to go home and vomit sometimes. Amen? And, and, and I'm not trying to be crude, but let's just be honest. You eat until you're stuffed, you feel sick. Let's eat until we're content spiritually. Amen? And then let's go home and digest on it. Think about what we've learned. Alright? And then we'll come back next week and feast some more on the bread of Scripture. Alright? So we're at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 52. Another passage about the rapture, pushing away, moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last what? Trump. Okay, now, there are some people that say, oh, okay, this is the last trump. So we must go through the tribulation because there are seven trumpets, and this is the last one. That's not what the Bible's teaching. It's not what it says. It doesn't say the last of the trumpets. It says the last trump. Now, now here's just a big help for you. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 16 calls it the trump of God. Okay? It calls it the trump of God. If I'm not mistaken, and I'm going just to look at the passage so that I remember correctly, and, and I believe I am, but Revelation chapter 8 and verse 13 doesn't call the trumpets the trumpets of God. They are the trumpets of the angels. They're different trumpets. Amen? Different trumpets altogether. Oh, well, that's the last trumpet. It can't be. Why? Because 1 Thessalonians says it's the trump of God. 1 Corinthians says it's the last trump, the trump of God. But Revelation chapter 8, 13 says it's the trumpet of the angels that they're blowing. So which one is it? Different trumpets. Amen? For a different event that we are not a part of. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 52 again. At the last trump. For the dead in Christ shall rise, uh, for the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Now we're, we're man, I want to, okay, look, we're going to save this for next week. What happens at the rapture for us that are alive and remain, and for the dead? What's the reason for the change? We're going to look at that next week. I want us to look at, the, this is something we've talked about before, but I want us to understand something. Look at Exodus chapter 19, all right? Exodus chapter 19. Exodus 19. We've looked at this before and we've talked about it in passing. But I want to I bring it because it's where we're at in our study and I want it to be a help for us. If it is the trump of God, what in the world is that trump? Alright? Exodus chapter 19. They're at the, the, the children of Israel are at the base of Sinai. Right? Moses is there with them, and God comes down to speak to Moses and wants to speak to the people. Verse 16, And it came to pass on the third day in the morning. Now, I find that interesting. Anytime you see the third day, you study that out, it typically has a reference to a death and a resurrection. All right, but I, now, and that's consistent through Scripture that I've found so far. But that's another sermon for another time, another Bible study. And it came to pass on the third day, in the morning. And you can't miss that morning. Amen? Because it was very early in the morning anyway. All right. That there were what? Thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the And the voice of the what? Trumpet exceeding loud, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. Look down at verse 19. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake, 
And God answered him by what? A voice. What was that trumpet? It was the voice of God. It sounded like a trumpet. Now, I have said here, and I have, to, I have to take it back, because anytime I find something in Scripture where I maybe have misspoken, I'm going to be clear about it, amen? Because the best of men are men at best, and I can make mistakes just like anybody else, amen? But I want us to know something. I've said before that the, the, the Bible, uh, in the Bible you've got those that, that are fearful, that aren't in God, and they, they hear what they hear is a trumpet. Well, they hear thunderings and they see lightnings also. But it's not just the people who are not of God, amen, as you, if you study that out even further. But I want us to look at Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. John the Revelator, amen. Look at verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great what? Voice as of a what? Trumpet. What does that voice that sounds like a trumpet say? Verse 11. I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. So who is speaking? Jesus Christ. And Revelation chapter 1 goes on to describe so when Jesus spoke to John, who is in Christ Jesus, amen, the voice sounded like a trumpet. Now, Revelation chapter 4, and we're done for the night. All right? Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1. Revelation, you've got the first three chapters we've looked at in detail before. And the churches, I honestly believe that each church was a literal church that existed at the time. That's why John was told to write the letter to the churches. But you cannot help but look with hindsight and see how each church represents church history leading up to the catching away of the church. Because you have Phil, And then you have Laodicea which is where we're at. We're in the Laodicean age. And you see that in the description of Laodicea, the name itself. Do you remember what the name Laodicea means? Rights of the people. That's what Laodicea means. What do we live in? Don't take away my rights. Don't tread on me. It's my right. I don't have to wear a mask. It's my right. We live in a day where we are so focused on the rights of the people that we have lost our focus on the God of gods. Now, what's quiet in the church house? Amen. Revelation chapter 4. After this, I looked and beheld, and behold, a door was open. When did the Immediately after Jesus spoke to the churches. Good Revelation chapter 3, the last verse, verse 22, the last word. And then immediately after this, I behold a door. Who's the door? John 10, chapter 1, or John chapter 10, verses 1 through 9. The door. The door was opened in heaven. First voice which I heard was as were of a trumpet talking with me. Who was that trumpet? Jesus. And what did He say to John? The same thing He's going to say to us when He descends from shout with the voice of the archangel and that trump, that booming sound of a trump that says, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. You see, the trump will sound. And that won't be the trumpet of the angels as we see in Revelation chapter 8. That's the trump of God. It's His voice. Not some angelic instrument. His voice that sounds like a trump. And He will cry out to us, Come up hither and nothing will separate us from Him ever again. And we'll be changed forever. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Wherefore, comfort one another 
with these words. What a comfort. You know, you get asked sometimes, especially as a pastor, prophetically, what ha- it's, it's so interesting uh, uh, how people are so overwhelmed with, a, with an interest in, in prophecy. Amen? It seems, to, and, and, and rightly so, two-thirds of the Bible is prophecy. Amen? It's the majority of the Bible. Can I help you with something? If you're wrong on the rapture, if you're wrong on the rapture, it's important. You want to know why? Because it's prophecy. And if you're wrong in one prophecy, it's easy to corrupt other prophecies. Amen? And so that's why it's an essential doctrine. I do not believe that... And here's how it was presented to me in the past. And it's been presented to me like this before. And, and I'll be honest with you. In my younger years, I may, I've even thought this way. Well, if I go up before the tribulation in the middle or at the end, either way, I'm going up. That's a dangerous mentality. Because if you're wrong on the rapture, that means that you've misappropriated some promises to you that aren't to you. Every promise in this book isn't mine. Amen? Some of the promises God made to Israel, and God's not finished with Israel. He's going to judge them. He's going to judge them to us. But what is? We which are alive, amen, pass from death into life. Those people that don't understand the difference between good and evil, we which are alive and remain. We're going to be together with them in the clouds. He said, what has to happen next prophetically for the Lord to come back? Well, for the rapture, the rapture is the next event. That's it. You know, the Bible tells us, we, we as a church, what are we not to be looking for? We're not to be looking for the Antichrist. We're not to be looking for the mark of the beast. Amen? That's not scriptural. We're not to be looking for that. Well, what if they pass this vaccine 2020? It's not the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast is a physical, voluntary worship of the beast. It's not going to be some secret. They will have to worship the beast to take the mark. Amen? That's what Revelation teaches. So we're not supposed to be looking for the Antichrist, the son of perdition. We're not supposed to be looking for the mark. We're not supposed to be looking for a temple to be built in Jerusalem. What are we supposed to be looking for? Look up. Jesus is coming. Therefore, comfort one another with these words.